Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week and supporting public radio. Six employees at COTC Events in Dania Beach are among the first economic casualties in South Florida of the business shutdown as a result of COVID-19, the coronavirus. COTC Events is a corporate event planning company that works with big businesses planning sales meetings or company conferences in South Florida. Owner Deidre Avide had to let go about half her staff a week ago. Um, six. Six. Her business, like business for a lot of industries, has not slowed down. It has come to a virtual standstill. As states of emergency are declared, large and even small gatherings are canceled. People who can are encouraged to work from home. And travel is virtually stopped in the effort to slow the spread of COVID-19. For sure, for sure, it has been day to day. And it's been stunning how fast things have changed. And that goes for a cornerstone industry in South Florida, the travel and hospitality business. Cruise ships are docked. Airlines have grounded some planes. Disney and Universal in Orlando are closed. Local attractions are shut down. Theaters are dark. Hotel reservations are canceled. Restaurants empty. Traffic has almost disappeared. And the business hasn't just slowed. In many cases, it has stopped. The best one can say is that it has been postponed. The actual final decision was actually made on Friday morning, which was March This is Emerge America's President Melissa Medina. We made it at a time where it was a proactive decision. Emerge America's was in the final weeks before what was scheduled to be its seventh technology conference at the Miami Beach Convention Center. More than 16,000 people were expected to attend the conference that was originally scheduled to open March 30th. But just a day after the city of Miami negotiated the cancellation of the Ultra Music Fest, Medina made the decision to delay the technology conference, but not to cancel it. It's definitely been the most difficult decision I personally have ever had to make business-wise, um, but I know it was the right decision. We will hear more about Medina's early decision to postpone Emerge Americas until the fall and Ava Day's decision to lay off almost half her staff later on in the program. In the 10 days since Emerge America's announced its decision to delay its conference until November and COTC events cut its payroll almost in half, the economic shutdown has been unprecedented. The big cruise ship operators based here in South Florida, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and Norwegian, all have ended cruises for almost a month. At Port Everglades, where a few COVID-19 cases have been traced back to contract workers, cruises make up 40% of its business. The rest is cargo. Actually, I'm looking out the window here, and I see a uh, a ship uh, delivering and picking up automobiles. That was Glenn Wiltshire. He's the acting CEO at Port Everglades. We spoke with him Friday morning before the cruise industry announced it would stop sailing for a month. Uh, there's a number of businesses throughout the community here in, in South Florida uh, that provide support to the cruise lines. Uh, last year, our economic impact uh, analysis that we did identified 5,800 jobs that were tied to the cruise industry, about 60% of them in the hospitality industry, because it's not just the cruise ship here, it's the hotel stays before and after they cruise, restaurants that they visit. So so there are definitely impacts. A lot of those are small businesses. Now, while still flying, many of the airlines bringing tourists to South Florida have slowed down. American Airlines is the biggest airliner serving Miami International Airport. Beginning today, it is suspending more than a dozen routes between Miami and South America until May at the earliest. On Thursday, four flights from MIA to Europe on American will be suspended, including Barcelona, Madrid, and Paris. 
Passenger traffic at MIA already was slowing down before the COVID-19 travel restrictions and schedule changes. International passenger travel was down 4% in January compared to a year earlier. The largest carrier at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport is Spirit Airlines, which is based in Broward County. According to an investor presentation given last week by the company, it has cut 5% of its capacity. It'll do that in April, and it is assessing whether or not to do the same for May. The year began with a bang for Spirit at the Fort Lauderdale Airport. Its passenger growth was up almost 16% over the last 12 months to have the largest market share at the airport. JetBlue is the second largest airline in and out of FLL. Its CEO told USA Today that it is looking to cut its system-wide capacity by about 5% in coming months. The tourism and hospitality industry is not experiencing a trickle-down effect from this. It is a tidal wave of cancellations, postponements, affecting big and small firms. Christina Moss runs CIM Consulting, a two-person event planning and marketing firm. We're a little more expendable than other things as a business owner. That has meant tightening the belt right now in hopes of not just a bounce back in business in the months ahead, but a flood of work later on this year. In the fall, it's going to be like drinking water out of a fire hose. I really think all the events that we've postponed are going to happen in mid-September, October, November, and it's just going to go right back into January, February, and we're going to have a very crazy six months. That remains to be seen right now because there's just no comparison to what is happening. It's not just uncertainty. There's plenty of that. There's no visibility about what and when and how business will return. Event planning company owner Deidre Avide is struggling to see through it all. How do we take the money we have and make this last for six months under the impression or the idea that there would be no business at all within that time frame? We'll hear more of Deidre Avide's story with running her event planning company through this uncertain time coming up later on this program. We want to let you know that we have a live blog with all the latest information on COVID-19 in South Florida. You can find it right on our website at WLRN.org. We also have coverage on our social media streams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you have a question that you need answered, feel free to reach out to us via those social media platforms. Still to come next, the fog of the crisis for the visitors industry. Right now, it's anybody's guess. Depends on how long this lasts. There are just too many factors right now, too many balls in the air for us to make any educated guess on what the rest of 2020 is going to look like. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy. Here on WLRN, I'm Tom Hudson. Even before the historic shutdowns of the cruise industry and slowdown of air travel, this year was not expected to be a huge year for the hotel industry in Broward County. Occupancy and average room rates were expected to be down just a little bit from a couple of years ago. Still, the year had gotten off to a good start. In January, almost 90% of hotels responding to a survey by the Greater Fort Lauderdale Convention and Visitors Bureau reported business the same or better than a year earlier. We spoke with Stacy Ritter, the CEO of the agency. Stacy, thanks for joining us here on WLRN. So how bad does it look right now? Is there any visibility in the short term? I was on the beach this morning, and um, it was crowded with spring breakers, and um, Los Olas Boulevard has been crowded the past uh, week with people having uh, going out to dinner, meeting friends, going to bars. So I haven't seen a change in people's uh, habits at all. 
what about the reservations? What about anticipated business that had been booked to come in the next, say, couple of weeks or so? Well, I can't tell you everybody who's canceled um, because they don't book through Visit Lauderdale. They would book through their individual hotels. But we have had quite a few group cancellations uh, last week. Um, I know that the Diplomat Hotel in Hollywood lost a significant conference, and there have been anecdotal um, comments from other uh, from other properties about conferences they've lost. Uh, we are currently gathering a list of lost business. Visit Florida has requested that from us, and um, we've had some large festivals postponed. Pride of the Americas, which was supposed to take place the third week in April, has been, po- has been postponed until sometime in the fall. That's an estimated crowd of 225,000 people. So um, there's certainly been an impact here, economically, certainly been, and will continue to be. You mentioned you're still gathering information, of course, with your uh, partners and the groups that you work with. Uh, we've heard from uh, you know certain uh, small conference organizers that they're just focused on what traditionally has been the slow season to try to delay the business until then. Is that a viable model here early on with so much uncertainty still? Well, when uh, when we uh, when we do have bookings through us, when groups uh, use Visit Lauderdale um, at, at to uh, to help them bring their conference here, and they and they've been calling us, we we do try to get them to postpone as opposed to cancel. Uh, sometimes you have to work in an incentive for that. Sometimes there was an incentive for them to come here to begin with. Like a drop in price, for instance? Uh, sometimes, for us, sometimes it, it's a direct cash benefit to pay to offset the cost of the conference itself. Sometimes it can be an opening part, an opening reception, a, a closing lunch, a, a speaker who we sponsor. So there are a variety of ways to incentivize groups. But uh, we've been encouraging them to postpone. Most of them have been very amenable understanding that, you know, sometimes the calendar doesn't dictate. I just had a conference that I was supposed to attend in, in Palm Springs uh, be postponed. It was supposed to happen in April. It's being postponed till December. So it is possible, depending on the calendar and what else is going on, to, to postpone that business. And uh, we anticipate we'll have a lot more postponements than actual outright cancellations. People want to come here. We live in paradise. It, it may be postponements, right? But the room that was booked for May 15th or May 18th, if that person's not in that room at that time— that's still lost revenue, right? Oh, of course. Anytime there's an empty hotel room, it's um, it's lost revenue. And and this is our busy season. We are still in high season here in um in the greater Fort Lauderdale area. And although we won't have March numbers, obviously, till after March has come and passed, I'm um, I'm advising everyone there's going to be a significant drop off in um in revenue collected in the month in the month of March this year as, as compared to the month of March last year. Yeah. Well, any idea early on what that could look like? Is it double digit drop? I, I have no idea. We're not a member-based organization. We're a 100% government agency, and our partners are strictly voluntary. Sharing information is also strictly voluntary. Um, although we do have um, we do have organizations which collect data, and that data will not be collected for March until after March has come and gone. We do know this. Moving into the 2020 calendar year, thousands of new hotel rooms had been expected to come into the Fort Lauderdale, Greater Broward market. It was expected to grow supply by about 3%. Are those rooms still going to come, do you think? I think that they will. Uh, those projects are already well into the pipeline. Funding has already been established for those projects, and they're, you know, they're already coming up from the ground. So I don't expect uh, a slowdown in, in, um, in building unless there is a recession, an economic slowdown, and funding falls through. But the projects that are already in the pipeline are already funded. And your agency had predicted kind of a flat to maybe a small decrease in hotel demand already for 2020. Uh, um, 
is that forecast still solid or do you have to pull it and just kind of see what the next few weeks look like? Well, that's been a national trend. Growth in travel was expected in 2020 to be at about 1.1%, which is fairly flat. Uh, right now, it's anybody's guess. Depends on how long this lasts. When the when the um, when the notice of a pandemic is lifted, how how rampant it is, not only in Florida but in the U.S. in general, there are just too many factors right now, too many balls in the air for us to make any calculation um, or or um, educated guess on what twenty the rest of twenty twenty is going to look like. Any sense of what kind of general financial health the um, accommodations business, the hotel business. Uh, is in in Broward County. Each hotel, each operator, of course, is different, Stacy. But generally speaking, what kind of wherewithal might they have, might the industry have to kind of weather this, at least in the short term? Well, the majority of our properties here, the large properties are major flags like Hilton, Marriott. Um, they have significant um, funding behind them. And these are multi-billion dollar international companies. They're going to weather the storm as best they can. Uh, from a financial uh, standpoint, the smaller properties, the mom and pops that we have here in Broward County, which still exist and dot um, every city here in Broward, uh, that's going to be a, a much more difficult thing for them to weather. These are people who rely on visitors and don't have that kind of funding stream that the Hiltons and Marriott's do. That's that's something. But it's not just the hotels. You know, it's the small businesses across the board. It's the restaurants. It's the retailers. It's the paddleboard company. It's the kayak company. They're all going to see a significant reduction unless this thing gets uh, gets done quickly. And, and no one knows. No one, you know, no one has a crystal ball, ball to determine that. What kind of concerns do you have regarding employment levels? I think that there's a real possibility that people are going to lose their jobs in Broward County. We're already seeing it in places across the country. Delta's cutting their um, their flights by 40 percent. Um, that would you cut your flights, people lose their jobs. There's no question people are going to lose their jobs, which then creates an entire snowball effect as it relates to the economy in general. It's it's keeps me up at night. I'm sure it keeps a lot of other people up at night, too. You're a former state legislator, former county commissioner, running this government agency for tourism. There's been some talk by the Trump administration, maybe about some kind of financial assistance, a bailout for some in the travel industries. What could that look like? You're, you've got your feet on the ground with those partners. What do they need? Who knows what that means? If you look at past bailouts, whether it's the auto industry or the banking industry, you see that that's direct cash infusion uh, i don't i i would it would i think you'd be hard pressed to find any hotelier today who who can give you an idea of what that means but because they are just too busy dealing with the immediate concerns which are people leaving people not coming um and the greater concern of increased number of cases here hospitality and tourist taxes are a big piece of the revenue for local government uh, have you been able to wrap your mind around what that could look like, at least in the short term, for the county? Well, last year we we set a record-breaking eighty-five million dollars in tourist in tourist development tax um, revenue, and and we expected that we were at least on pace to do that, or probably break it. Uh, that's highly doubtful today, but again, it's just so difficult. We had a record-breaking February. We were up ten percent in occupancy in February. Our ADR, our average daily rate rate was through the roof. That could offset what's coming in March, but I just can't at this point. I just, unfortunately, I just don't know. Meantime, the legislature has agreed to fund the state tourism marketing agency Visit Florida with 50 
million. Uh, how do you think that money should be spent? You know, Visit Florida does a really good job with small and medium destinations. They don't do such a great job with large destinations like ours. So um, I think that what they're probably going to do is continue to um, probably pull back for the uh, in the immediate future. But then when the crisis passes and the number of cases start to level off, they're going to do what they do best, which is the medium and small destinations and the small businesses like the people who own um, Sawgrass Nature Center here in Broward County who get marketing and promotion support from Visit Florida to keep their businesses afloat. Visit Florida does that well. Um, I expect that they will use that money for that. But um, more than ever, I think we see the need for a, a statewide tourism umbrella agency because we'll be okay. We'll get back on our feet. We have a healthy budget. And even with a downturn, we'll still be okay. But the smaller and medium-sized destinations and the small businesses, they're going to need some help. Your agency's budget from Broward County in this fiscal year, $36.5 million. Will you be asking for more? No, uh uh-uh, absolutely not. Um, In fact, we will probably have to do with less this year, but um, we've had some, because we've had Pride of the Americas cancel, uh, that money, we won't be funding that this year. Um, There are some other things, smaller things which have canceled, so uh, we would probably have had some leftover money We'll have some leftover money, and we'll just have to eat that. We don't get a rollover funding anyway. Um, in the county, the money's gone if you don't use it. So um, we'll be okay. Uh, our, our team members will be okay uh, as it relates to our jobs and, and, and what we do. But uh, but we, we're not going to get any more. In, in all likelihood, it'll be less. Speaking with Stacy Ritter, she is the CEO of Greater Fort Lauderdale. That is the Convention and Visitors Bureau marketing arm of the Broward County government. We spoke with her via FaceTime audio on Sunday. You can get all of the latest COVID-19 information. We have a live blog for you on the website at WLRN.org. You can also follow us on our social media streams and ask us questions. What do you need to know? We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Still to come on this program, the sharp and sudden stop in tourism and what it could mean for the South Florida economy. Now, things have come to stand still especially impacting the leisure and hospitality industry, in other words, what we call visitor sector. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting WLRN. Uncertainty does not begin to describe the economic conditions brought on by the efforts to slow the spread of COVID-19. The American consumer essentially has been told to stay home for a while. Economic activity won't stop, but there is no doubt it has slowed fast. At the end of February, the New York Federal Reserve Bank forecast the U.S. economy would be growing at barely 1%. The Florida economy enters into this uncertain period in pretty strong shape, according to the standard measures. The unemployment rate was at a record low. In South Florida, 2.2 percent in December, according to state data. More than 3.1 million people in South Florida were working at the end of last year. About one out of every eight worked in the leisure and hospitality industry. And it was adding jobs at about twice the rate as the overall regional job market over the past year. 
Tony Villamil is the founder of the Washington Economics Group based in Coral Gables. Tony, thanks for joining us today. Describe the 2020 economic forecast for South Florida. What did it look like just a few weeks ago? Well, before the, uh, the emergency of the coronavirus, uh, the whole state of Florida, but including especially South Florida, with its major international airports and cruise lines and the visitor industry and also with small businesses, uh, high technology industries, international trade was doing uh, uh, stronger than the nation relative to payroll employment growth and relative to economic activity. Um, now, things have come to stand still especially impacting the leisure and hospitality industry, in other words, what we call visitor sector. And um, that it's, um, and if they put additional restrictions, which they have in terms of uh, uh, businesses uh, bringing in employees and so forth, you could talk about uh, not only South Florida, but you talk nationwide, uh, uh, a major slowdown, if not a major recession coming up down the pike because of the coronavirus. Yeah, what kind of shape do you think the South Florida economy is in to weather this, primarily a travel slowdown clearly right now. Uh, what kind of sustainability is the is the economy in for what period of time to deal with this kind of forced uh, demand drop? I think I think it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's really nationwide in South Florida, in terms of its small businesses, um, should weather it relatively well in terms of the size of the population that needs to eat that needs to. Um, uh, by uh, by uh, stuff for the family, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think relative to the nation, yes, the visitor sector is going to take uh, a significant hit. But um, again, uh, it all depends on the length of the coronavirus uh, emergency. And it depends also on um, measures that the public sector at the federal level takes to uh, provide a floor to the economic activity. Um, we also, you know, our, our, we, our exports to Europe, uh, obviously Spain and Italy and some of the countries that are major uh, affected will have an impact. So I think all of the U.S., uh, South Florida included, will go into recession if it lasts more than several months. Several months. Give, give us an idea. Right now, obviously, the focus is on kind of two-week rolling time period here. We know American Airlines, for instance, has stopped flights to several Latin American routes for uh, several weeks through May. Uh, the cruise line companies aren't sailing out of South Florida for 30 days. So the recessionary risk obviously grows the longer any of that business just simply isn't coming through. All right. So, so in other words, if, if we see that uh, 30 days, 60 days from now, the situation actually has gotten worse, uh, then, then we we all of the U.S., uh, Florida, and everybody would would go into a basically uh, an economic uh, uh, recession. Um, you, you know, negative growth in the economy. There's no way you can you can avoid that. Uh, the key the key now everything is concentrated. Obviously, and it should be on fighting this uh, deadly uh, virus. Certainly, uh, the focus on public health. Uh, second would be obviously the economic damage that some of the important public health measures have uh, have dealt the economy. This obviously has affected the conference business, travel hospitality. Where could it spread? 
Well, I mean, you know, basically, uh, oh, uh, the travel and hospitality industry have significant multiplier impacts. If you look at uh, the whole service industry, the services, the hospitality industry, um, the conferences, uh, the the food, uh, the the uh, the amount of uh, of support personnel managing to for the conferences. So, uh, it it is already spreading. This is a demand-led downturn here initially. How is this different than 12 years ago and what South Florida and the nation experienced? Well, 12 years ago, we, we had a financial crisis, and, um, uh, and it was due to uh, mortgage-backed securities and, 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 and just and, you know, resulted in a global recession. Uh, I think this is, uh, in a way, not a financial crisis, obviously. The Fed is there and is providing liquidity and lowering rates. Uh, I think this has to do more with uh, actual demand for goods and services and production. And so how vulnerable is real estate to the drop in consumer demand? I think the whole the whole series of industries in South Florida are vulnerable to a drop in consumer demand and uh, the purchase of homes and apartments, et cetera. Um, obviously. So, uh, again, the, the, the uncertainty is this period of 30 to 60 days and see what happens to the, to the virus spread. How healthy are local banks? Is credit available? Uh, real estate is such a oh, sure. cornerstone of the local economy, along with tourism, obviously. Credit is ample available, and banks uh, have solid capital ratios. So, um, so there shouldn't be a a major issue with, uh, the, you know, I'm talking about averages. Um, and so I, I don't see, it, again, it, it all depends on, A, the window where everything is, is uh, slowing down, B, um, how long does it last? What are the signs to watch for? As a business economist, Tony, you're very, very familiar with the business cycle. Uh, obviously, this uh, economic expansion is the longest on record, more than a decade. The bull market and the stock market came to a crashing, crushing end in the last week. But what are the signs that you're watching out for as a business economist to see how well contained the economic damage may be or how it may be spreading? Well, retail sales is one. Um, the, uh, the, the second one is the uh, um, uh, pay, payroll employment. Uh, which is uh, not the unemployment rate, but payroll employment. So in other words, the jobs that companies are creating or the jobs that they're essentially cutting? Payroll employment shows you the, uh, the jobs in the various industries, how much industries are growing or cutting back, yes. And that's a, that the, the problem is that we don't have now, uh, there's always a lag in the production of this data of two to three months. So... Uh, we're going basically by uh, by consumer sentiment. We're going by uh, trying to see the, uh, the surveys on, on retail, the conference board, uh, all, all the other major organizations as they survey the area, the, the Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce, uh, what the businesses are saying. I think that's the, that's the best thing to do in the next uh, 30 days or 60. We've seen South Florida have to prepare for hurricanes before. We've seen, you know, lines out grocery stores as the storm forecast is changing. The entire nation now is experiencing some of this of kind of what we're used to here. But how do you explain as an economist the run on goods like toilet paper? Panic. Uh, it's, it's, it's not really based on, on science. So I think um, 
you know, you all you see in the news, in all the news, is about the uh, CDC projections and the number of deaths, et cetera, et cetera, and, and trying to flatten the curve in terms of the number of infected and that we will get more infected. And so there's panic on everything. And, and uh, we that's why um, I would not um, hold the forecast in the next 30 or 60 days until we see what really is going to happen uh, in terms of the uh, the whether there's a lockdown or not, uh, whether the government will put more measures at the local level, at the state level. Uh, all of that will become more clear in the next 30 or 60 days, including some of the initial damage of the data. Right now, the thing to do is just to stay calm and continue your work and, and uh, try to stay uh, among la- larger crowds. Speaking with Tony Villamil, founder and business economist with the Washington Economics Group, based in Coral Gables. He spoke with us via FaceTime audio. Still to come on our program, making the early decision to postpone a big event. It feels like it's been months since we made the decision and we moved forward with the announcement publicly. But even in just these short few days, there's no question we made the right decision. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks, as always, for supporting WLRN and public radio. An event that has helped put Miami on the map in the technology industry was supposed to open at the Miami Beach Convention Center soon. More than 16,000 people had registered for the Emerge Americas Conference with some tickets over $1,000. The conference is in its seventh year. According to a private economic analysis, it has made more than a billion-dollar impact on the regional economy, including more than 7,000 direct and indirect jobs. The tech industry remains small in South Florida, but it has been growing both in size and influence, and the Emerge Conference has been the centerpiece. That's why when its president, Melissa Medina, decided she could not open the conference originally scheduled later this month, neither could she cancel it altogether. No, canceling was was not an option for us. I mean, that's one thing we promised to deliver in Emerge 2020, and we really wanted to make sure that we were delivering on that promise. And we worked really closely with our partners, uh, especially at the Miami Beach Convention Center, who have been incredible to work with in helping us move our dates to the fall. And we wanted to make sure that we were able to deliver on Emerge 2020, of course, We would have loved to have had it on March 30th and 31st, but I think looking back now, it feels like it's been months since we made the decision and we moved forward with the announcement publicly. But even in just these short few days, there's no question we made the right decision. Public health obviously has to reign supreme, but were there economic considerations as well? In other words, additional costs or Uh, you know, lost deposits or those kinds of things that uh, have had to figure into this? Yeah, of course. And, and, And we've had to weigh all of that. But like you said, public health was first and foremost, uh, our priority. Of course, we're gonna have certain costs that we have to eat. And, and, and that's okay. But I have to tell you, for the most part, the reaction we've had from all of our partners, sponsors, speakers has been so amazing we had over 220 phone calls between our executive team 
personal calls and not one negative reaction, all supportive, understanding, and I would say even a bit relieved that, you know, they didn't have to worry about this right now, given that most of them at a corporate level are dealing with the situation themselves. Many of them have restriction on travel for their employees, you know, so I think that it made us realize, you know, we, we 100% made the right decisions, no matter what implication it had to us as a business. As you look forward to the new November dates, mm-hmm. we're, we're obviously still full of uncertainty as to the full extent of this virus and what are the months to come. What yep. what kinds of kind of uncertain questions are still out there as you've got the new dates on the calendar in ink for now in November? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I think there's obviously a lot of variables, right? What's going to happen with the coronavirus? We're seeing what's happening with the market right now as well. But I have to tell you, I mean, our team is full steam ahead. We're pivoting now. We're, we're seeing how can we make this November uh, event bigger and better. Um, and, and we hope to deliver on that no matter what. Obviously, we, we have seen firsthand that there are times when we have to pivot if, if this coronavirus um, is not uh, at a stable place by a certain time period. We would have to, you know, go back and see, make another executive decision. You know, is this in the best interest of our attendees and our participants? But we'll, I guess, cross that road if we have to. For right now, we're focusing on an incredible um, event in November. One other thing that's occurred to me about this, Melissa, as it relates to Emerge Americas, is, of course, the role that technology is playing mm-hmm. in this current environment. Not only the role of technology to allow people to work remotely and to uh, uh, kind of follow social distancing guidelines while still being able to earn a living, but, of course, the technology in uh, in the medical science that is pushing forward for testing and, of course, for the potential toward a vaccine. As you look at the November dates, the new dates for Emerge Americas, any of that Mm -hmm. bubbling up on an agenda that otherwise wouldn't be there? Absolutely. Yes. And we will, this will be top of mind and I think very relevant um, on the future of work. I'm sure will be a a conversation. How has this moment in time changed our lives, our professional lives, personal lives? You know, I, I hear about not only conferences, but I hear about events um, at schools, at universities that are now virtual, uh, at least for the next couple of months. And so will that affect uh, the way that we work or live indefinitely? Or is this something that we'll be able to discuss a little further and see, you know, which way this takes us as a, as a society? But absolutely, we're having those conversations internally, and it will be um topic of conversation at Emerge 2020 in November as well. Could you give me a sense of um, the kind of investment that it takes to put on this conference? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure seven figures, so overwhelming. Eight figures, over $10 million? (laughs) No, not over $10 million to actually put on the, the temple event that is Emerge Americas, but it is a lot. I would say more than than the financial resources, the time and energy that goes into it. But we have a very passionate team. And the great news is that 
Emerge has transformed into much more than just an event. We are a year-round platform. We are connectors connecting the dots between the key stakeholders within the tech and entrepreneurial ecosystem. And we'll continue to do that with, of course, Emerge America's The Conference uh, being that physical representation of, of our year-round work. Listen, it's it's uh, been hectic, no question. And, you know, sometimes pivoting in business is is a difficult time. But I truly believe that there's a silver lining here and that although who could have told us even a couple of months ago that we would have had to reschedule Emerge because of some pandemic and some, you know, virus that's out there. I would have never believed that. And the fact that we were dealt these cards, I think we're dealing with them as best we can. And I think, again, the silver lining is we are going to make sure that we uh, put on the, you know, the best Emerge 2020 ever. And, and we owe that to our partners. Has that uh, sense of camaraderie uh, helped with, uh, you know, the contractual obligations under the original timeline as you've pushed it out to November? No question. Absolutely. Um, and, I, you know, it's basically talking to each an individual speaker, partner, sponsor, and seeing if they're on board uh, for the new dates. Speaking with Emerge America's president, Melissa Medina, via FaceTime, the conference has been rescheduled to November 4th and 5th at the Miami Beach Convention Center. WLRN has the latest information on COVID-19 and South Florida. It's a live blog that's running right now at WLRN.org. You can also reach out to us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or email this program, sunshineeconomy at WLRN.org. Now, still to come, two event planners wrestling with the new reality of the conference business coming essentially to a halt. Within a week, we had to go from, okay, let's not do overtime. A week later, we were cutting hours across the whole entire team. If we're not going to do events, what else are we going to do to generate revenue? That's still to come. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. Today, instead of one of our financial statements, stories of money and the price of life in South Florida, something a little different, because let's face it, life has gotten a lot different in the last week. The economy has gotten a lot different in the last week. If you'd like to share your story about how you're dealing with the new economic realities of battling the COVID-19 virus, please email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. It's sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Today, the stories of two women leading their event planning companies through the COVID-19 business crisis. I'm Deidre Avaday, and my company is COTC Events, and we are purely a corporate event company. We deal with Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 clients that are bringing their groups down to Miami. Six weeks ago, we were probably looking at our best year that we've had since we've been in business. Last year, 2019, was our top year to date. And this year coming up in 2020, we had some very, very large programs on the books. So we were putting a lot of money into reinvesting in our um, CRM systems. We were bringing in some new marketing, some new SEO situations. We had hired two new people to help us to manage that volume. 
And we were reinvesting in our education and our training for our team. We were really excited about what we were looking at moving forward. Christina Moss, owner of CIM Consulting. We produce the VIP program for the Miami Marathon. We are an event coordinator for South Beach Food and Wine Festival. We do a lot of local events, galas, uh, some corporate events, really focused specifically in Miami. Six weeks ago, we were really busy. We were planning for our events moving forward. We had two events in April that now are pretty much not happening. Um, And now we're just kind of reassessing everything and trying to see how far out we can start planning events and really looking with our clients on what to do for the next six to eight weeks and trying to listen to the news and see what's going on and making sure that we're acting accordingly in the best interest of our clients and for our business. We really are very seasonal in South Florida, and our business is very seasonal. So high season is really January through May. And we really need to be on top of that business because like squirrels, what we put away then is what we need to live on through the summer. We're really looking at expenses um, and not eating out as much. I mean, it sounds like silly, but when you add it up, it's just it's that little thing that you're doing constantly with your team. On February 24th, we had our first call of a really large piece of business, almost a half million dollars, that was about three weeks away and canceled. And they canceled over their fears and concerns of coronavirus and people being worried about traveling in. When a program of that size is only three weeks out, what we have done on behalf of our clients is signed 20, 30 contracts with all of the local vendors that are supplying services for that program. So that's catering, it's the lighting company, flowers, linens, the transportation, and a tremendous number of independent staff that work at an at-call basis. We probably had 30 or 40 people on that one job alone. And by taking that job, they'd turned down other business. And now, you know, they were really relying and counting on this. We're also sitting down with clients and figuring out different ways to make revenue because, you know, events is one of the things that we do, but we also do marketing, we do PR, we do branding, social media. After that big program canceled, we met with the whole team and we said, let's start as a group kind of knuckling down on our expenses. Let's really watch our overtime. Let's stop using the American Express and start using the Visa card for revolving credit. And let's look at some things in our office that we've been buying and doing and just really not thinking about it because we were we were rolling and money was coming in and we were going to have our best year ever. And within a week, we had to go from, okay, let's not do overtime. A week later, we were cutting hours across the whole entire team. That wasn't as happy of a meeting, but it got worse because now, less than a week later, we actually had to move into actual layoffs within our organization. If we're not going to do events, what else are we going to do to generate revenue? 
um, how else are we going to try to engage the community? So we're, you know, trying to make sure that we get ahead of what's happening, but also realizing we're not going to have the opportunities to go to these events anymore, to, to be out there handing out brochures because they're not going to happen. So we need to find different ways to generate revenue uh, for businesses that we work with. It's been hard to keep up with and hard to really manage, and it's really been devastating to the whole team. The cascade of cancellations from February 24th to now adds up to about $3 million. I've been through a lot of ups and downs. Um, I've been through the stock market crash. I've been through the dot-com crash. That's how old I am. Um, 9-11, certainly the devastation of the 08-09 stock market. And business comes back and meetings come back and people need to get together. They need to celebrate. They need to collaborate. They need to communicate. And that cannot be done in any other way except face to face. So it will come back. Our slow season may not be as slow. I still think it'll be a, a little slow, but people aren't going to be traveling. Nobody's going to want to be going, I think, to Europe or to Asia and taking advantage of, of summer vacation. I think that a lot of people are going to be here in Miami. And so those smaller events um, that were more local, I think, are going to be pushed to a little farther out in June, where normally people would end the season around mid-June when kids get out of school. I think they'll, they'll push it out. Quite honestly, what we're hoping for is the busiest fall we've ever had. <laughs> We now see ourselves as triage managers. We're gonna take whatever clients we have now, we're gonna to try to move them into what we see being a safer position as far as the virus, and we're gonna to try to minimize any financial hardship to them because we're in it for the long term. We're not in it for one season, we're not in it for one day, and we're not in it for one show. We're planning to make clients for life by changing the way that we're handling them and treating their meetings. I'm also planning a wedding. Yes, I'm planning my own wedding. <laughs> I'm not very worried about my wedding that's in August in North Carolina. I'm a little bit concerned about my bachelorette party that's at the end of April. Things pass. That's my words of wisdom from someone who's been in the business for a long time. Things pass, and we wish... Um, we wish all luck to everyone who's involved and everyone who's being affected in our region. And I think that you're going to see a lot of partnerships and a lot of reach out between vendors. And our industry has an opportunity to kind of come together right now and support each other. Deidre Avide owns COTC Events in Dania Beach. Christina Moss owns CIM Consulting, an events planning and marketing firm in Miami. Now, if you or someone you know wants to share their story of money and the price of life or how you're dealing with the economic realities of battling the COVID-19 virus, email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. You can always get in contact with us at sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Of course, we're also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And look for a podcast of this program and all WLRN local programs on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. 
Joe Johnson is our technical director. Katie Lepre is our engagement producer. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting WLRN.